Those are dangerous words, aren't they? Break my heart for what breaks yours. I sometimes pray that. Pray, break my heart for what breaks yours, but be gentle about it. You know, I don't have as strong a heart as you. My dad died about uh, just a few months before the 9-11 event. Uh, we had planned to go to Italy. He was going to induce me to my extended family. There was a wedding back there. And three months before we were to leave, he had a sudden heart attack and he was gone. In retirement, my dad, you know, my dad was a master barber. And so I never got to have cool hair when I was growing up. It was always... It's a, my dad was a master barber, and in, he liked to work. So in retirement, he still worked a couple days at a barber shop in Sacramento. And he had been introduced to a friend of mine who was on the staff at the Billy Graham Center. And my dad really liked this guy, a minister. And so my dad made a commitment to our friend Dallas. And he said, I'm taking all my tips every month from when I'm a barber, and they are going to be committed to your support for your ministry. And my dad used to send him that every single month. After my dad died, I invited Dallas out to help me with his funeral. And my brother and sister and I were talking after dad died. And uh, we said, you know what? It was so rare for dad to be excited about a pastor and investing in ministry. And he so respected Dallas. We want to, in honor of dad, fulfill the commitment he made to Dallas for the rest of the year at least. And so we looked at what the averages were and every month we'd send that much money to Dallas. You know, and it, it, and it, it actually did it for a couple of years. It was, to us, it wasn't a burden. To us, it felt like a privilege. Dad had made the promise and we were given the honor of keeping it for him. It was a wonderful connection. Can you sense that? My dad had made a promise and then his siblings, his children, sibling, his children, got to keep a promise that their dad had made. Imagine how that must have felt from, for him watching from heaven. Oh, look at my kids, man. I never even said that to them. Look at, oh man, my kids love me. Knowing that his promise was so important to his children that even though he was the one who made it, they would be the ones who got to keep it for him. You know, it, it was, I guess it was sort of like the hashtag yes in dad for us, you know, <laughs> wasn't it? Because that's our series here. Hashtag yes in Christ is a theme for us. The promises of God are yes and amen. He makes a promise and says a yes, and then we respond with our Yes, sort of like hashtag yes for dad. But don't let that story drift away from you too soon, that story of my dad and my siblings, because we are all in one just like it. We are all in the midst of a story just like that one, where God has made a promise. And God hasn't died, and God is not unable to respond to his promise. But there's a parallel because we're in a story like that story my siblings and I were in. That God has made a promise and then in his sovereignty he has chosen to depend upon us to keep a promise he made. What promise is that, you would ask? What's the promise that speaks of this morning's theme? The promise of blessing. Through his redemptive work on earth... God is blessing 
as part of his redemptive work on earth, God has it in mind to be a blessing to every single human being that walks the face of the earth. He made a promise, and then he gives us the privilege of keeping that promise for him. Isn't that a great connection? Like, our response to God's promise is a statement that says to those who see the promise fulfilled that God keeps his word. It's like he lays it out there. I'm making a promise. Go keep my word for me. Love it. What's that promise? Well, the promise is offered in Genesis. Now, it's offered several places, but I'll read it for you here. It's a promise that God makes through Abraham, to Abraham, that he's, there's going to be something happening through Abraham. And listen to it. The Lord has said to Abraham, go from this country, and listen for the word bless, 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 all throughout this promise. Go from this country, your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Here's a promise. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And, and here's the big part, and all the, I think this is the key part for us, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And then that's so important, that's, that promise sort of sticks with history. There's a redundancy to it, a tenacity that goes with it. It's repeated all through the generations that follow Abraham. In Genesis 22, you have it repeated to Abraham again, right after he sacrifices or offers his son, doesn't have to do it, but offers his son Isaac for sacrifice. And then in Genesis 26, that same promise with virtually the same words passed on, reiterated to Isaac. <clears throat> Genesis 28, reiterated to Jacob. In Genesis 35, repeated a second time to Jacob with virtually the same words. And in Exodus 19, it's passed on down to Israel while she's wandering in the desert. It's the offer of a promise, a promise that has stickiness. It, it, it has redundancy. And then you have, of course, the fulfillment of the promise in Jesus. For Jesus comes through that people and through that bloodline. He's fulfilled. He's the ultimate blessing to all of humanity, Jesus. I mean, Mary recognized this in a prayer she prayed, her prayer of celebration in the birth story of Jesus. She says as part of it in Luke chapter 1, he has helped his servant Israel, he God, remembering to be merciful to Abraham, so there's a link with that promise, and his descendants forever, just as he promised his ancestors. And that is in the context of Mary recognizing she, in her womb, carries Messiah. That's the context for that. Zechariah, right after her, recognizes it in Luke 1. In verses 67 through 75, he, he is at the circumcision of John the baptizer, but he references the fact that Jesus is a fulfillment of the promise God made through Abraham. Paul recognizes this, the fulfillment of the promises of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse by the law by becoming a curse for us. That's, that's a blessing, by the way. 
For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. And then verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, he, Jesus, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through whom? Through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. Jesus is the center of this promise. And Jesus recognizes it too, by the way. Listen to him in John chapter 12. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to bless the world, some translations say. Probably more literally, to save the world, to rescue the world. Jesus understood that to be his purpose. I am linked to the promise the Father made to Abraham. And then the New Testament takes us to another level by handing off the promise. Now we're moving to the God made the promise. He depends upon his people to keep the promise section. That's Matthew 28, really, in the Great Commission. This is Jesus saying, take what I was sent here to do, take what Abraham was promised, and go spread it through all the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Matthew 28, 18. Therefore go and make disciples, make apprentices of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and I'm going to be with you always in this task. Now go keep the promise of God. Go be a blessing to the entire world. You might ask, what does it look like to bless? Because... Abraham's given this promise. He's going to be a blessing. The whole world, all humanity is going to be blessed through him. What, and then we're challenged. Jesus is the fulfillment, but yet we still have a challenge to go and be a blessing to everyone that we meet every, at every stoplight, in every grocery line, everywhere. We're to be a blessing to people. What's that look like? I've got it defined like this. You can come up maybe with a better definition so that we can work it all week long, so that we can think about this in ways that we can hold on to. I would say a blessing, as we look at the examples that we have, abundant examples in Scripture, is this. It's anything that deposits hope in. It deposits hope in and models Jesus to a person. Anything that deposits hope and models Jesus, points to a different way of life, is a blessing. According to the Beatitudes, you could, you know, the blessed are those who mourn, blessed are, uh, blessed are you when this and that happens to you. Those could be translated, and some translations do. They translate the word blessed to happy. So you could almost say to bless somebody is to splash happy on them. We're a bunch of splash happy people. That's according to God's promise to Abraham. Everybody in the world is going to wake up every day and say, man, it's a good thing Abraham was born. It's a good thing Abraham got the promise. It's a good thing Abraham's seed carried out the promise. And they ought to be living in such a way, have experienced us in such a way, because we're fulfilling the promise that God made, that they wake up every morning and say, even in Marin County, and maybe especially, it is a good thing the church is here. Because I need some happy splashed on me. I need some hope. I need a whisper of a different world, of a different future, of something other than the stuff I'm seeing every night on the news. 
And how far do we take this thing? Oh, Jesus is not messing around with this. It's expansive, this challenge. Luke 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. This was... This is not figurative. This is, this is a command. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Who does that? Listen to this. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You think... I mean, Jesus did it with 12... We could probably do make a dent in this with 800, 7 or 800, wherever we are now. Do you think, let's say 600 people, practicing that just once a day might make a difference in our county? My son Josh wears a, how much time do I have? Am I over time already? No minutes? Okay, never mind about Josh. <laughs> He's a middle child, we can dump him right now. Uh, I'm, steal, I'm stealing your time. Josh has this bracelet. You might have heard of the movement. It's called Compassion and then Space It. So compassionate. They're using compassion as a verb, but then it's a play on word, compassionate. He has a bracelet. On one side, it's black, and it says compassionate and white. On the other side, it's white, and it says compassionate and black. And the deal is, you turn it to black every morning, and you look for a way to show compassion to one person that day, and when you do, you can flip it over to white. And then at the end of every day, you flip it back to black. And so he, he's doing this. I'm gonna show compassion to one, oh man, my bracelet's still black, and he's gonna turn it over to bless people. And man, that makes a big, big difference. One of our members wrote me an email this week describing uh, the aftermath of a dinner she and her husband had hosted. They had a, a nice dinner for some Christian leaders at their house, and they had hired a chef to come in. And the chef had a wonderful experience, and the people had a lot of fun. And she wrote me, and she said this, that as she was settling up with the caterer or the chef after dinner, the chef and his uh, sous chef went on and on and on about how wonderful everything was for them, and how nice everyone was. What a great group of people. Then she writes, this is, a, this is, there's language that he used that's not appropriate for us, but you'll, you'll know. I'll, I'll just refer to it. I won't say it. <laughs> then she says, he's walking out the door and he stopped, and he turned around toward her, and she said, he teared up and he hugged her, and he said, you're all just so effing kind. <laughs> Friends, this is an example of the type of response we're trying to elicit when we bless the people we encounter. We're not blessing choir boys. We're not blessing church folks who know church language. We're blessing our enemies. We're blessing those who curse us. We're blessing those who stand against us. Why? 
Because God made a promise that the world would be blessed through Abraham. And Abraham was responsible in his heritage through giving us Jesus. And Jesus handed off that promise to us. And he, in effect, says, my father has made a promise that every single person on the face of the earth would know kindness and goodness from his people. Now, don't turn him into a liar. Go and fulfill his promise. Our Father has made a promise, and we, dear ones, have been given the honor of keeping that promise for him. That's cool. He has said yes to blessing all the people of the world, and God himself awaits our yes in response. Because, get this, the means by which God wants to bless his people is you. So there's an invitation and a call on our lives. I mean, is that not a word for us? We've been looking at the promises of God, some big promises in God, and this promise is that the whole world would be blessed through you. Being God's people doesn't just become this massive gift that we possess and we go, oh, good for us. So great. The blessing of God on us The promise of God to the world is that then we get to be a blessing to the world. We get to be the blessing. And so the call is on our life. The invitation is on our life for us to be a blessing, to say yes to keeping God's promise for him. I love that. So we don't get up in the morning and say, so I'm a Christian and this is my religion. We get up in the morning and we say, God has made a promise that we would be a blessing to the whole world. And so today I will be a blessing. Today I will be a blessing. And Art said it and we laughed. We're going to splash happiness. And it's not just surface happy, is it? It's the hope of a better life. It's the hope of life in Christ. It's the hope of forgiveness and restoration to the God who made us, who put that in our hearts. That's that phrases, those phraseology that Art used. Hope looking like Jesus to people leading them into the hope of life. We get to be a blessing. That's what we do. We get up and we get to be a blessing. So you know what this is then, friends? So this experience today is a consecration service. This is a sending out service of blessers. That's what this is. That's why we gather together. Sometimes we think, I gather because I like music. I gather because I want to be inspired. I gather because my friends are there. I gather because my kids are now making me go to church or whatever. But we gather here to be consecrated, to be ordained. Do you remember a few weeks back at the end of the summer in our Summer in the Scripture series, I preached a sermon on all those first couple of verses in all of Paul's letters where he said, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Do you remember the word saints and what it means to the holy ones? It also means, it means to those who are consecrated those who are set apart for service, those who have a job to do. And the job is to be a blessing to all people. That's our job. And so we come here to get consecrated. In 1991, I was 29 years old and I went to my ordination service. We often think about ordination or consecration. We think about pastors. And I was going to go put on Ben's robe just to make the point. I don't have a robe. I don't even ever buy a robe, but some pastors wear robes. But there's this, we see consecration, we think pastor. And it was the ordination service, 1991 for me, I was 
Again, I was 29. I, I was kind of clueless about it. I thought it was going to be really stupid. We went to an annual meeting, and I'd gone through the whole deal. I mean, this is a three-year master's degree and all the exams and all the, 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 the testing and trials and two years of walking with a mentor and being examined by the denomination. Finally, they're like, all right, you get to be ordained to your call to ministry. And so we go to the uh, annual meeting. We have the ordination service. I'm still thinking, oh, okay, I wonder if I'm going to get a run on the beach because it was in Florida. I'm like, I'll go to Florida to get ordained. I'm looking at my watch. We go to the, the ordination service. It was a bunch of full of a bunch of, they had to borrow a robe. It was full of a whole bunch of formalities that I wasn't really used to and didn't really understand that much until they had all the ordinands kneel down at the altar. And then ministers from our denomination and colleagues from our denomination and lay leaders, volunteer leaders from our denomination, from different churches all over the nation, came by to those men and women who were kneeling at the altar. And one by one, they put their hands on my head and spoke words of, you are called to such a time as this. And they whispered these words, these whispers. You have ministry. And the next person came and put their hands on my head and said, you have gifts that the Holy Spirit will fan into flame and it will bring life to the world. And the next person came and said, God's going to protect you and whatever sacrifice you make to serve him, he will be your guardian and he will be your strength. And the next person came. And by the end, can you imagine? And you know me, I was a mess. <laughs> I was consecrated. The words of the rest of God's body came over me and to my face and said, you have a role, you have a place, you have a calling, you are to be a blessing and God has given you everything you need to be that blessing. Friends, that is you and me and Art and everybody in this room right now. This is a consecration service and that's what we do every Sunday. There's an invitation on our lives to say yes to being a blessing of the hope of Jesus to our world. That's what we get to do. That's who we are. What is your yes to be a blessing? Because we take this consecration service and then we go out from here and we go be that blessing. What is your yes? What are your yeses? Because we have to stop and pause and think about it and be reflective and strategic and careful about it because God has put you in your life with your gifts and your strengths and your trials and your personality. And this moment, God has given this to you to be a blessing. So we stop and we go, what's my yes? How do I bless the world around me? We have to be thoughtful because it's multifaceted, isn't it? Nobody has one blessing. This is what I bring. You bring a whole bunch of things. You bring stuff within the walls of our church outside the walls of our church, into your lives in our county, and even beyond that. There's like concentric circles, isn't there, of blessing. Inside of our church, you bring blessing of spiritual gifts to strengthen the body of Christ. What's your yes inside our church? Do you teach and love children? Do you encourage the people around you so they have strength to go on? Are you a detail person and you're involved in admin? There's a woman in my life right now that's just like, give me some details. I love details. Let me have them. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to run with it. Are you a leader in a ministry team or on the leadership team? 
or preparing your heart for that because you have leadership gifts, because you have discernment and wisdom. And so you help us make good decisions about how it is we can maximize who we are for the kingdom of God. Or maybe you're on the youth ministry team and you show up there every Wednesday night and you love all those guys. What's your yes within our body? What's your yes within this group? Maybe you're somebody who says, man, I love to give. And I write the tithe check and I give beyond my tithe and I look for opportunities to invest my finances. And some of you are servants. You look for the opportunity to do whatever needs to be done. Details, facilities, food, clean up. What is it? What is it? I'll do it. What do you, what's your yes in our body? And then we have this outside our body. Of course, that's really, we're a blessing to the world. What's your yes outside? What's your circle of relationships? Because your city, your neighborhood, your friends, your family, those people that sleep in your home, those are all your places of influence of yes. What's your yes to be a blessing? Where do you splash happy, Jesus happy, hope happy on those people? What does that look like? Because we need to be strategic about it. I know a guy who loves the people at his work so dearly that he just said, I've got to get out of my shell so they can know me and know the Jesus that makes me me. Those are my people. That's what I do. I know people who say, I know students who get it, that God put them at that school because that is the place that they're going to be a blessing. That school is going to say, this is unbelievable that this kid, this senior in high school, is at our school. And I know parents who do that to their school of their kids. What's your yes outside of our walls? The places that you walk, the relationships that you're in, the people you rub shoulders with. You know, I go to Mi Pueblo. I go to Mi Pueblo because it's the best Mexican food ever in the whole world, but I go to Mi Pueblo because we now know those people and they know us. And do you know they love it that Marin Covenant shows up at their place? And we can't go anywhere else now. We're like, we need a bite to eat. Well, we better go to Mi Pueblo. Now we know the owners by name. We know the servants by name, the servers by name. We pr- we've now been able to pray for uh, at least one that I know of, of the people at, that work at this place. It's just, it's just where God has put us. How are we a blessing? What is your blessing? your world, your connections, your investments, your neighborhood, your school, your 12-step group, your cycling club, the people at your gym, where do you get to show up and go, I'm a blessing here. I bring the love and the hope and the vision for life to these people. Can you already start to picture those faces, those names, those circles? Because we've got to be strategic about it. We're a blessing within our our fellowship. We're a blessing into your world, your neighborhoods, your cities, your schools, our county. And then you're a blessing even beyond that. There's people here that are invested in international justice mission. There's people here with missionaries' pictures on their fridge because they send them love and support and know the names of their children and pray for them. There's people here who are, have compassion international children. They support and write and are even planning on going to visit. We've got ministry beyond us. There's people here who care that our church spends a ton of money to invest in the work of the gospel, the good news all around the world. What's your yes here in your city, your work, your relationships, beyond. What's your yes? The call on our life, friends, is to be able to say yes to fulfilling the promise of God. He made a promise the world's gonna be blessed through us. That's what our Father did, and we get to keep that promise by being a blessing. So this is how we live.
We're promise keepers. We're the promise keepers. That's what we get to do. This is why the Lord's Prayer starts with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We worship you. Now let your kingdom come. I want to be an agent of your kingdom. I want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That's the blessing part. That's what we do. We're going to bring God's kingdom. We're going to bring his presence. We're going to bring his will on earth just like it is in heaven. That's why the Lord's Prayer starts that. So let it be said among us. Let it be said about us, church, that we will not be satisfied until the earth looks like heaven. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And for the last four weeks, we've looked at the promise of God, the promises of God, and he has said yes to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. He has said yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. He said yes to an eternal and abundant life. And he has said yes, that he is going to bless the entire world. But this promise is different. This promise we're on the hook for. We get to be partners and co-laborers with Jesus Christ, to be partners, to be a blessing to the whole world. And the world is really big and is abstract. And, but that's not who we've been, where we've been called. We've been called here to Marin. This is our piece of the pie that God has asked us to be stewards of, to be a blessing to. And even Marin is a vague concept. Marin. There are actual real people, real places, real individuals. Like Art said, if we are enemies, people who curse us, people who work with us, our families, our places in which we go to school, those are places in which God has called us to be a blessing. And so this morning, we're going to live into this promise. God has made a promise to bless the world, to bless Marin. And we as a church are going to say, yes, we're in. We are your people. We are going to fulfill your promise. You can count on us. You can count on our church to be a blessing for you. And so what I want you to do is I want you to simply think about your world, not the world and not even Marin, but your world, the places where you actually have real influence, real relationships, real human beings in which you interact. For those are the places in which God has called you to be a blessing. And we're going to do a little prayer exercise as a church, as a way to commit to be a blessing. For the very first thing that we do is to pray. Our first move towards being a blessing is not an action, is not an something we're going to do with our hands, but it's what we're going to do in our spirit because this battle is not a battle of flesh and blood. It is a battle in the heavenlies. And we are going to partner with God and be praying for the places that he has for us. So what we're going to ask you to do, it's a little bit gutsy, um, but we're going to play a, a yes and amen. And as the worship song, band plays that song, I'm going to invite you to think about and pray about where has God called you to be a blessing, to be partners with him, to fulfill the blessing that he has made to this county? Who are the people in your lives? What are the situations in your lives? What are the agencies in your lives? What are the things in your lives that you are going to commit to be a blessing for? And to answer this question, yes, God, let me be a blessing too. And as the song plays, I'm gonna invite you to come up here and grab a pen and write down the name of the person that God has put on your heart that you are going to be a blessing to. 
the person in your family, the person in our church, the missionaries in our world, your compassion child, your neighbor, your employee, your employer. And if all of us are faithful to be a blessing to the specific people in our life, then we have multiplied out the blessing that God has for us. And we get to say yes to God by partnering with him. So as you feel ready and as you feel led, please come forward and let's start writing those names down as a symbol of us praying for God's leading to be a blessing. Amen. This calling that God's put on our church and on our lives is no joke. God's promise to the world is that it be blessed through the descendants of Abraham all the way down to us through his church, not just the church, specifically our church, we're in covenant church, has been called by God to say yes to this promise and to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus to be, um, to fulfill this promise. And we recognize that this is not something that we just do all by ourselves. We don't just do it with our actions, but it is a spiritual endeavor these hands and these people that we long to bless and care for and pray for are people that we, it's our place to care for them. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, it is so humbling that you see us and you love us. You invite us to know you and be a part of your family and you've heaped blessing and salvation on us. And we're so thankful for that, God. But I pray that we would not just sit and bask in that, God, but that we would see the calling, that we would take on the mantle of the family business and to be a blessing to this entire world, to our county, to our employers, to the people that we employ, to the schools, to our family, to the people we're gonna drive next to and eat lunch next to. Man, that this whole world would be blessed because of what you're doing in us and through us and that all honor and glory be for your son, Jesus, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Let's stand and continue to sing.